So we've been walking through a series the past couple weeks, and we're going to plant there again in John chapter 15. But, but I'm calling this series Complicated Christianity. And, and probably, as I've been saying, is not the best word that, that I wanted to pick for this to explain what I'm really trying to do. Is my hope is, is as we wade through the waters of Christianity and we look at the world around us, what we've done a lot of times is we've added things to Christianity. We made Christianity have all these different parts and we've kind of complicated it. We've, we've made it a little harder than it needs to be, a little more difficult than it needs to be. And there's really um, kind of a basic idea of what Christianity is and the way we should navigate it. And so my hope is that as we walk through in John chapter 15, we're kind of weighing through these waters of how we've complicated it in some different ways. And so the first week we looked at the idea of the relationship itself should just be intimate and organic. There should be a deep level to it and that there shouldn't be anything we add to it, but it just should naturally come because of what Jesus did for us that we just naturally want to serve love and be in a relationship with him. And then last week we looked at this idea of being separated from the vine, that if we're going to live life and try to do it on our own and try to be God ourselves, it's not going to work. We need the vine to give us life that's going to keep us going on a daily basis. And so today as we dive in more, we're going to look at this idea of you can either say where you make your home, where you rest in, um, how you build your life maybe is the better way to say it. How do you build your life? here in this world, or in a relationship with Jesus. And so we're going to unpack that momentarily, but as we talk about that, um, growing up for 18 years, me and my brother shared a room. So my brother's a year younger than me, probably some of you even maybe were in here, in here have shared a room with a sibling. For 18 years, I shared a room with my brother. We always bought houses that I swear only had like three rooms, and so the two girls obviously get their own room, and my parents get their own room. And then we get stuck together. And it's all right. I like my brother. He's, he's, he's good. And um, there was a little bit of time growing up. The only time I got scared of him is um, we, in our house that's right down the road from here that we used to live in, we had a loft probably about halfway up the back side of this wall. So when you sat up, your like, head kind of grazed the ceiling um, in our bedroom. And my brother would have these bad dreams. And we thought at first it was his head, but I'm pretty sure we figured out it was his feet. He would lay down and he would push on the ceiling. Um, and there was one night that he had a really bad dream. I don't know if it was a nightmare or what. I never asked him what his actual dreams were. Um, but he woke up and there was drywall all in his bed because he had pushed his feet through the ceiling um, because he was pushing on something. I, I do remember that part. He said, I was pushing on something. And so he did that, and he did that for about three times until my parents finally put a metal grate up there, and he never did it again. He bent it a little bit, but that was about as far as it got. And so, and so my brother was pretty good. The only th- other bad thing is he was a slob. Um, he just kind of left things laying around. He didn't care. I'm more of kind of the OCD type person. Even Shannon can t- attest to that. I clean almost every weekend at our house because I can't stand hair on the carpet. I can't stand the bathroom nasty. And so I was always one that liked to keep things clean, put my clothes away in the right drawer, make sure they were folded where my brother would come down and just throw his clothes until my mom told him to pick him up. And it was just the way we were. It was just how we lived. And so, but there was a time that my brother finally said, I don't want to live in this room anymore. I want to set up shop. I want to make my home in a different spot. So in our room that we lived in, in our basement, it actually was like a, a big open room. And my parents actually walled the basement off so they could make a room for us downstairs in the basement. So we had our room and then on the other side was storage. But along with that, they made a pretty decent sized walk-in closet. 
in our room because it stored my brother's um, clothes and my clothes. And then for some reason, some of my dad's clothes were down there. I'm not sure why, because they had a pretty big closet too, but he had some clothes down there. So it was a pretty big closet. And so my brother said, that's it, I'm moving in there. So he goes up to the laundry room, he gets the cot that we used to take when we go camp in different places. He gets the cot, he gets all this stuff, he moves it in there and he shuts the door. This is his room now, this is where I'm gonna live. I don't wanna live in the same room as Taylor anymore. It wasn't even like we got in a fight or anything. He just he had enough. He wanted his own room. He did it, I think, one time just for the weekend because he wanted to, and then it ended up, it stayed for a little while. And so he lived in there. It was like he, he didn't want you bothering him. This was his room. This was his home. This is where he was going to stay. Um, so I dealt with it for a little while because it was kind of nice. I didn't have to hear him um, go, hey, at like 10 o'clock and start talking to me when I'm trying to sleep. So I'm like, this is great. You know, he'll just sleep in there. Um, but finally, I had enough because I am somebody that doesn't like to be alone. So I was like, this is getting kind of lonely. And so I go and I do the sensible thing. I go tell on him. Mom, I don't know if they knew. They rarely ever came down in our room unless they had to. Probably because they were scared to figure out what was down there. And so I said, Mom, I said, Aiden's living out of the closet. You need to go fix this. And so, I don't know, she probably talked to my dad and they finally went down and they told him he had to get out of the closet. So he packed up his room and he moved back into his loft that was like two feet from where he was staying. But the reason I say that is because it can be easy for us um, to want to set up shop in our own space, to, to, to want to live life in the way that we want to. We want to we want to be in a certain spot because this is maybe what makes us feel comfortable. This is what makes us feel good. This for him at that point made him feel more satisfied in the way that he was living because then I don't have to deal with Taylor. I get my own space. I get to do what I want. I can make it how I want. And so that's what he wanted to do. And so I think as we look over the past couple of years and we see everything that's happened in our world, a question that we may be asking ourselves a lot is, are we there yet? And you say, what do you mean? You know, you could be asking the question like, are we there yet in terms of, are we out of the whole pandemic? Have we, have we made it to what normal is again? You know, maybe for you, it's more in your life. Like, have you made it yet? You know, have you gotten the job you've always wanted that's going to give you all the money that you could ever dream of so that you feel so satisfied? Do you have the person in your relationship, whether it's a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a husband, or a wife, that you've always dreamed of that's going to make you happy? The are we there yet is that place we get to where it's our space, how we created it, and it totally fulfills us because it's what we want. There's a ton of different theirs in there in here. I don't know what your there is. I used to remember growing up, um, talking to some people. My there was always if I could get on the momentum stage and speak, that would be my there. If I could just get there, then I've made it. I've been at the top. I speak in this huge youth conference of like 3,000 people. That's my there. I'm still trying to get there, but I'll get there one day. And all of us have that there where we want to get. And so we put our lives and we orient our lives around that, that that's where we want to be. And so when we look at this idea of our home, where are we living? Where are we residing? What are we striving after? How are we living our lives? What is this spot over here that's taking up some of your life? That you wish you could just have that you wish you could just be at you wish you could be and so when we look here in John chapter 15 keep that in mind as we
kind of unpack this is, is what are you orienting your life around? This idea of what, where is your home is not like I'm asking you, okay, where's your address at? What road do you live on? Your home is like, where do you build your life around? Where do you spend your time? Where do you um, put all your time, energy, resources into? That's what I mean by home, not, not just where you live, but where are you putting everything in your life towards? And so we're going to unpack this idea of building your home in John chapter 15. So I'll kind of read the first couple verses. This is in the message version um, because I like the way the words are in this version um, that we've talked about the past couple weeks. But it says, I am the real vine. My father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me, make your home in me, or some of yours will say, abide in me, make your home, live your life in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me, I with you. The relation, as we talked to the very first week, intimate and organic. The harvest sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up, thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me, and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. So that's that's kind of the, the beginning of where we've kind of come from in this idea of, uh, of the relationship we should have, being separated from him. And now I want to focus on these couple verses um, in here and further down of this idea, uh, live in me, make your home in me. And even down further it says, but if you make yourselves at home with me, if you abide in me, if you live in me, I will live in you. So as you look at your own life, where are you putting your home, so to speak? What are you striving after? Because if we look from a spiritual standpoint, our home is not here. You, you may hear that when you're growing up in Sunday school or other people say as Christians, well, this is not our home. Our home is in heaven. Our home is the future. And, and that's all true. So this isn't our home. And I think a lot of times what we want to focus on is building a better home here on this earth and forgetting about the eternal perspective of where we're going. So we want to collect things. We're really good at it. I'm really good at it. I totaled um, at the end of last year, I forget the, the exact amount, but it was somewhere between twelve and $1,500 spent just solely on Seek Discomfort, which is the brand I wear from a group called Yes Theory on YouTube, just in one year. And if you total all the other stuff I bought from Walmart and stuff like that, it was probably close to $2,000 to $2,500 solely on clothes. You see some of these athletes, these superstars, they've got six cars, three homes, and whatever. I remember hearing an interview with Shaq one time when he got traded. He immediately went to Walmart and dropped. They've said some of, I think, one of the biggest um, spendings at Walmart ever, and it was like eighty to $90,000. He went in, bought all these towels, bought all these TVs. I think he bought 15 or 20 TVs, their whole rack of towels, all this different stuff to just get to be part of his life. This was his lifestyle. This is what he did. He was making his home here. And instead of, of, of looking in the eternal perspective, we can get caught in the way like the world likes to do. Well, I've got to get all this stuff. If, 
If I can just have this job and make $80,000 a year, I'm going to be so fulfilled. Because that's what we think. When we build where we're spending our time, we fill it with things that are temporary, which will never fulfill. That's what we're chasing. We're chasing fulfillment. We're not chasing things so that we can have uh, three houses full of stuff that we never use. So it's very interesting. Every year at spring cleaning, just go around to everybody's houses. You can see how much stuff they've collected over the past year because then it's out on the curb. We love collecting things in hopes that it will make us happy. The only way we can be happy is if we make our home in Jesus, if we live our life in Jesus. So why do we spend so much time trying to look a certain way so that boy or girl will be impressed with us? Why do we spend so much time trying to make all these achievements so that when people look at you, they're so impressed with how much you work this week? How much you accomplished this week? Why do we why do we want to strive to be in this certain position in our job or in a future job or in a company thinking that it's going to magically satisfy us because now I have all the power, I have all the oversight, I have all the big paychecks that are coming my way. And so we spend all this time putting our efforts into making our home here on this earth feel like this is what's going to satisfy me, and we're left even more empty than we were before. I want to share just a few things from the next couple verses and how we transition putting our time and effort into making a life that abides in Jesus, making a home that lives in Jesus, that that's our heartbeat, that's where we're going, that's where we want to surround our life with. Shannon was showing me in between students and now the interview, which probably some of you have seen before, of Tom Brady way back in the day when at that time when she, when I was look, watching a little bit of that interview, he only had three championships and they were talking about all of his accomplishments. He had all these things, and he had three championships, and he's sitting there in the interview, and, and I'm not going to get the words exactly right, but basically he said there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than three championships you can add to, to my belt. And now with all the other championships he's gotten, and he's on his way out of the NFL, and it's like, has he found it? Has he found something that has fulfilled him, that, that he's willing to build his life around. I also was with um, um, my buddy Wyatt one time. We, I was in manager training in Cincinnati when I had to go, um, when I was with Walmart, and I decided that um, I wasn't going to do anything with anybody because I didn't care to be there with all these people, and it was boring, and you had to sit in this room for eight hours a day where they taught you all these things that when you went back to the store you were never going to use anyways because it's way different once you get on the job. And so I sat in there, and but but then why it was down there, I think it was the second time because I had to go down twice, um, staying with somebody in Kentucky. He was doing an internship there. And so while I was down there, I thought, well, I'll get to go see him a couple times while I'm in, in training and get to see um, kind of what he's like. And, and I can't do it justice, so I'm just going to quickly kind of try to frame um, this place I went to, but he went, he was staying with this guy, and I'm telling you when I say, like, this guy had stuff, this guy had a lot of stuff. He lived in this really, the best I can compare is like the country club um, area in Kentucky, huge houses. Um, he had a pool like the size of Brookside, probably even bigger than that, that was just for their community, like it wasn't their public pool, it was just for their um, community. He had a, a, a totally finished basement, not one of those that just had some drywall up and some paint on it, 
um, but it was like totally finished with like a pool table, a ping pong table, um, all these different games down there, rooms were down there. Um, and then to top it all off, his parents, I think owned or ran a pretty big company in Cincinnati. And every time um, that we wanted to go to the Reds game, they had like those box seats where you could eat all the food you wanted throughout the game for, for the whole season long. And I always just, it was very interesting because at that time I really wasn't um, pursuing Jesus very much in my life. And I, I always kept looking at this guy and there was something in his eyes that showed that even though he had all these things, he wasn't happy. And sure, it wasn't his stuff, it was his parents, but like there was something in him that I could just see that there's got to be more to life than this. And we spend a lot of our time putting time and effort and resources and stressing out and anxiety trying to build this life that we hope will satisfy us on this world when Jesus is trying to tell us the easy way for Christianity is living a life abiding in me, building your home in me. And it's like we don't want to listen, so we don't become satisfied and we don't we wonder why we're so empty. So these next couple verses are going to shed some light on some ways that we can abide in Him, make our home in Him. And, and I don't want you to, to make it seem like I have this magic formula because I think a lot of times what we want when we hear stuff like this is how do we abide in Jesus? How do we make our home? Is we want to hear these certain steps that if I do these perfectly, this is exactly how I'm going to get there. I, I can't give you those, but here's some things in your life that you can begin to incorporate that will make you abide in Him. And Oh, this goes back to what I was kind of talking about. And what, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? What if we get all this stuff in our life, but you don't have your soul? What's the point of it? What's the point? So, John 15, going down further, continuing in verses 9 and 10, it says, I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. You keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done, kept my father's commands, and made myself at home in his love. So the first two things, real quickly, that you can do to help abide in Christ, make your home in Jesus, is first, keep his commands. I mean, it says it right here. I'm not going to tell you probably anything you can't just read in the rest of that passage. But, but he says, if you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. You'll remain intimately close to me. The things Jesus say, they're not suggestions, hoping that you'll just follow them. He's hoping that he tells you these things so that you remain in him because it's the way you're going to find life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the greatest commandment. And then love others. He doesn't tell you these things hoping you'll just happen to do them and it'll be cool. No, no, no. This is the way you find life. He doesn't tell you not to go kill people because he just wants to give you a suggestion. He's trying to help you see this is the way you can enjoy life to the fullest. All throughout Scripture, you can see the different ways that Jesus has commanded us, has given us things to not just give us good improvements to life, but to satisfy us. Keep his commands. You want to abide in Jesus? Just like when you want to, when your parents tell you to do something, to show that you care about your parents, to show you want to be a part of your parents' lives and, and that you love them as you follow what they tell you. Follow your father's commands. And the second thing as well is this beginning part, make yourselves at home in my love. In my love. I think a lot of times 
we don't like to talk about because we feel like we have to prove ourselves based on this achievement performance driven world that we just need to soak in his love for you. Well, what can I do to, to love Jesus better? If I go to church more, if I read my Bible more, if I sing better worship songs and only listen to worship music throughout the week and not the rap music and pop music they're coming out with, then, then it'll show that I love Jesus more. And those are good things to do to keep your relationship with Jesus, but, but sometimes we just need to sit in Jesus' love for you. In the fact that, there's times that I need to show Shannon love, but there's also times that Shannon just, I just need to sit in her love that she has for me to show that I care and I appreciate her love for me. And Jesus sits there just wanting you to understand how much love he has for you and that he sent his, he, he came to die on a cross for you. Not because he just thought it'd be a good idea, but because of the amount of love that he had for you, even when you didn't want him, he was there. Even when you turn your back on him, he's there. How often do you just sit in the fact that there is somebody that loves you so much we can't even comprehend? My parents love me a lot, but it compares no way to how much Jesus loves me, how much he cares for me, how much he wants to be with me. You want to build your home in Jesus? Why don't you sit for a little bit in his love that he has for you? We don't hear too many messages or songs or things about his love because it's, it's, it's giving us the permission to not have to do anything but just accept it. You don't have to do anything to earn God's love. He just gives it to you. Then in the next couple of verses told you these things for a purpose that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature this whole idea of finding your satisfaction he's telling us these things not just as suggestions but you can find joy this is my command love one another the way i've loved you this is the very best way to love put your life on the line for your friends you are my friends when you do these things i command you i'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning no i've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. I think what's very interesting is Jesus is talking about calling us friends, and so the, the next thing is just realizing that friendship, realizing that friendship, recalling that friendship. But, but what he says here as he's talking about love for one another is put your life on the line for your friends. Jesus wouldn't call us to do something he didn't do himself. This is a couple chapters before he's going to go to the cross in John. But this is what he does for his friends. He will lay his life on the line when he walks up Calvary to die on a cross so that we could be in a relationship with him. That's the love that he has for you. But he shows his love by putting his life on the line. Jesus wants you to be his friend. I love the ending part as it says down here. At the bottom, he doesn't call us servants anymore because as a servant, they didn't know the whole plan that was going on. They were just doing what they were told. He says, you're, you're not that kind of people. You're friends. When you have a friend, they know about your life. They know the plan that's going on. They know things about you. Remember his friendship. Remember that you're friends. And finally, to end out this passage, says, you didn't choose me, remember. 
I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives to you. But remember the root command, love one another. And the last thing to keep building your life in satisfaction in Jesus is remembering that he chose you. You didn't choose him. You, you probably, um, as our nature to, to pursue sinful things, would in a sense think you would have more fun doing the things the way the world does and, and sinning and doing whatever you want to do. But Jesus says, remember, there was a time that I chose you, that I saw you and I loved you, and that at, at one moment in time, I wanted to be in a relationship with you. Sin enters the world, and from that moment then, we, we just naturally are bent that way. But Jesus said, it doesn't matter. There's something special about you. There's something I like about you. There's something that I want to do with you in your life, and I want to be in a relationship with you. Remember, He chose you. So you want to find satisfaction in this life? You want to find fulfillment in this life? You want to build your home where you spend your time, your energy, your resources, what you build your life around? It needs to be Jesus. It needs to be resting in His love. It needs to remembering His commands. It means reminding yourself that He called you. He pursued you. He wanted you. And that He also is your friend. And He calls you His friends as well. It makes me think about, as I close here, a um, couple different movies, but I know the biggest movie that I was thinking about is Enchanted that came out. You know, now it's probably been 15 years. Um, 2007, I think, is when I saw it came out. And the whole idea of the movie is that she goes from this fairy tale land that she's living in. This is her home. This is what she knows. This is what she builds her life around. Gets plopped in New York City, and she's so confused. She doesn't know how things work. This isn't her home. She doesn't understand, and so she tries to navigate it and does things differently. And it's kind of the same idea with Elf when he comes to the city and he does things the way that he knows how to do it because where he does it, that's how they do it. Like putting maple syrup on your spaghetti. That's what he knows. That's his home. That's how he's grown up. And so both of these people are trying to navigate in a place that's not their home and they're doing things differently, and they're sticking out, and they're different because that's not where they're supposed to be. And it's kind of like how we are when we're put in this world is we're kind of like these people, and we're acting differently, um, and, and we navigate differently because our home is Jesus. Our home is heaven. Our home is eternity, and so we're going to be different. But sometimes we can get lost in this world, in this planet in where we're living because we get distracted from where our home actually is so my challenge to you is as you're looking at how you build your life where are you building it you're there if i could just get there your ultimate satisfaction is in jesus that's the there we should all be striving for